we're talking about uh, how to develop a willing heart. And this is a foundational piece as you walk by faith. So important that you have a heart that is completely willing to do whatever God's word says, to do whatever he calls you to do. This is a foundation. A willing heart is so important. We need to realize that God's ability to perform what he's already done for you is dependent upon you. It's dependent upon you positioning yourself in, a, in such a way that you could lay hold of these things. 2023 is to be the greatest year in your life that you've ever had. We have scripture on that because the path of the righteous, it increases more and more, both for you and for your children, right? The path of the righteous, it says it also, it grows brighter and brighter to the full day. What that means is you should walk in greater revelation. Notice it says brighter and brighter. It doesn't say brighter and then kind of dimmer, darker, then brighter again. No, it's brighter only. You cannot walk by the faith of God without walking in revelation of his word, right? Because his word, it's the lamp to our feet. It's the light to our path. To be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We cannot divide our attention between natural things and spiritual things. We are to be spiritually minded, and the Holy Spirit wants to help you in that. To have a willing heart, it's going to take work. You're going to have to throw that flesh on the altar. But oh, the benefits, the benefits that it pays to where you live your life where you're just like, Lord, all I want is all of you. Amen? So let's turn in our Bibles. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 1 in verse 19. This is kind of a foundational scripture in this series. And this is message number two in this series. We're laying a foundation still. Today I want to lay a foundation because as we teach about having a willing heart, I want to teach it in such a way that you are understanding that this is helping you walk by faith. It's helping your faith walk, okay? The only way for you to please God is to walk by faith. The only way for you to lay hold of all that God has given you by his grace, the only way is through faith. So we must have a willing heart. It says in Isaiah, verse 1, or I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 19, it says, if... So if, that's a, that's a big word, right? That means there's a possibility that you can be a way where you won't be able to receive what this verse is going to tell you. It says, if you be willing and obedient. Notice it just doesn't say, if you be willing, you'll eat the good of the land. If you're, if you're obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. You could do one without the other, but you know, at least if you're good or if you're willing, you're going to eat some of the land. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat more. No, it says, if you be willing and obedient. The Bible says, look at, look at what it says, you shall. doesn't say you might. It says you shall eat the good of the land. In the Hebrew language, 
it would read like this. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the best that the land can produce. The best. God, does God want you to have the best? Yes. Right? To be honest with you, he started out his relationship with you giving you the best. The best of what? The most valuable thing in all of creation. He gave you his son. Amen? He wants you to have the best. This is very important. So we said this last week, to see the power of God, to walk in the blessings of God, to see a continual revelation of God, you must be willing and obedient. It all starts with being willing and obedient. There's so many Christians that things are happening in their life that don't line up with the word, and they're like, I don't understand what's happening, and, they're, and they start blaming God. They start questioning his word. Listen, there is literally no one in heaven walking around going, that was just unfair what happened to me, right? It just was, no, God is good, and he wants to protect you. He wants to provide for you. If you've suffered loss, he wants to restore your life. If you've been damaged or hurt in life, he wants to heal and restore where there is no scar. And I'm not just talking physical, I'm talking emotional, all of this. God has made a way for you and I to be whole. Last week we went into the 110th Psalm. I'm just going to read the first half of it. In verse 3, it says this, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. God wants to manifest his power. You know, we're not, we're not waiting. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. You know, they went to Jerusalem and they tarried. Yeah, they tarried until the day of Pentecost was fully come. But guess what? It, was, it, it already came. So we don't need to sing songs about, oh, Lord, Holy Spirit, come. Just come. He doesn't understand that because it's like, wait, I'm here right? Well, let's just beg God that he could cause revival. No, God wants revival. He's waiting for us to be willing and obedient, right? So this is so very important. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the American Standard Version the Rev and also the Revised Version, it says it this way. It really brings clarity to this Hebrew text. Thy people offer themselves willingly, in the day of thy power. In other words, willingness and God manifesting his power, those two things are connected. If you're not willing, he can't manifest his power. Why? Because he would have to violate your will. Right? If you're working and trying to work something out in your life, guess what? He can't work on it. Until you give it to him. Until you give it to him, and then you work out what he's working in. Right? We don't work for our salvation. Oh God, please, will you heal me? No. He's already sent his word and healed us. Oh God, would you please? I, I need, I'm, I'm financially, I'm in a mess. I, I need your help. Yeah, he already redeemed you from the curse of poverty and lack. 
Then he put the blessing of Abraham upon you. And then he gave you literally hundreds and hundreds of, of literally quotes in his word that if you'll meditate on it and see him as your provider, you can start releasing your faith in that area and he can go to work in your finances. But if you're going to try to dig yourself out of that hole, he's going to always be prompting you to give it to him because he can dig you out a lot faster. Right? There's a direct connection between God's power manifesting and the people's willingness to what? To yield to him. We've got to get that. That's so good, I better say that again. There is a direct connection between God's power manifesting in your life, a direct connection with that happening in your life, with what? With your willingness to yield to him. And yielding to him is yielding to this word. Not part of it. Yielding to all of it that you see. Right? Now, we don't see all this. But we see everything we need to see. And the hungrier we get, see, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, what does God say will happen in your life? You will be filled. The Bible says if you knock, it will be open to you. The Bible does say all of the promises of God are in Christ. Yes, and in Christ, so be it unto me. Amen, right? That's what that word amen means. So this is real important. I hope you go home thrilled when you realize God is sitting on the edge of his throne going, let me clean this mess up. If, if the mess is cleaned up, let me take you to a place you've never even dreamed possible because all things are possible to him who believes. Do not let Satan lie to you and dumb down who you are. You are a righteous child of God are in the earth for such a time as this to literally leave an eternal footprint in humanity. There's never been another one like you, and there never will be another one like you. Right? So look at, again, I'm going to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, because you need to really see this again. This is how God looks at you and I. Right, We see a perfect picture. Samuel is going to choose a king for Israel. So he's going to Jesse's house, and he's looking at all of his sons. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not at his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. And then look at what it says. For the Lord seeth, not as man seeth. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Bible says about Jesus, I mean, think about this. This was God, God who took upon himself flesh. You would think, man, I'm the son of God. I will be the best looking, the be have the best build because everything about me is gonna be so powerful but no, the Bible says Jesus, to look on him, he just looked common. There was nothing 
that, that you would do to look at him that would make you be drawn to him. Paul said, I don't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. Could he? Oh, yeah. This guy was taught by Gamaliel. He had one of the best educations. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. This guy had a lot of natural talent. He was brilliant, but he said, listen, I don't come to you in any of that, but I do come to you in demonstration of power. Right? I come to you demonstrating the power. Well, who's demonstrating? Paul? No. The Holy Spirit is demonstrating the power. Why, why did he do that? So that people's faith would not be in him, but in God. Tonight, I can't really change anything in your life. But there is one here tonight who can change everything in your life. Make all things new. Right? I mean, do you realize every time in the Bible that it says, that he says, I'm the God that makes all things new, it always says behold before it. And as we learned at Christmas, what does the word behold mean? Wow, this is amazing. God makes all things new. Listen, is your life a mess? Go look in the mirror and say, wow, this is amazing. God makes all things new. God's, God's mercy and his grace is more powerful than your disobedience. God looks on the heart. He doesn't look on the outside. He's looking at the inside. Tonight, in your life tomorrow, he's not looking on the outside. When, when we receive the offering, God wasn't looking at the outside. He was looking at your heart, right? When you walk and follow him, he's looking at your heart. And I'm telling you, as you peer into the word of God, and as you get willing and obedient, you'll get very sensitive. Do you know we've got a myriad of Christians walking around thinking that they don't need to be planted in a church, and they're still spiritual, they are spiritual if they're born again. Yeah, you're spiritual. You're a spiritual baby, and you're no good to the body of Christ. Well, wait, you know, I do tell people about Jesus. Yeah, I don't care. You're not, you're not yielding near the fruit that you would yield if you would be willing to do what he says, right? I mean, unforgiveness, not honoring God in your finances. Well, I tithe my time. Oh, that's great, but tithing is the first dime out of every dollar, right? So, yeah, but I can't tithe. I don't have the money to tithe. Well, no time out. The tithe is not 10%. It's the first 10%. So you might not have money to pay your rent or your mortgage, but you have money to tithe. It's not even yours, right? And then Christians... Because how many, I mean, I just got, every time I hear of somebody just crossing that barrier and going, you know what, I'm honoring God in my finances. You know, do you know what that is? In the body of Christ right now, such a small percentage of people honor God in their finances. It's crazy how low the percentages of people who tithe. We don't really live in that world here, right? But we are taught the word, we should be 100%. And, and we don't, don't beat yourself up if you're not honoring God in your finances. But also, 
don't not get in this book and learn that he could, you could trust him as your provider. Because that is not, see, people would think, well, I honor God in my finances. That puts me in like the top 5% of believers on the earth. No, no, that's kindergarten. That's like, that's like your first day of school. The first thing God wants to teach you is to trust him as, as your provider. That's, that's step number one. Right? But if we'll get willing and obedient and stop trying to think about this stuff and just trust him, man, I could bring people up here right now that would, I mean, breathing's optional, eating's optional, living in a house is optional, but I'm never not going to do the word. Right? And that's, and see, and God's not, God's not looking at you and, and mad at you if you don't obey him. He is displeased because he can't get anything over to you. He's not mad at you. He's not condemning you. Right? If you're in a church where the pastor's condemning you for not walking and, and obeying the word of God, you know, you might want to consider taking that to the Lord and putting in for a transfer, right? And you might find out that maybe he never put you there. There's a lot of buildings that call themselves churches. The question is, is there a lampstand there? Does Jesus call it a church? Yeah, but some of the biggest churches I've ever known, they just don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Guess what the lampstand is filled with? Oil which gives light, which is representative of the Holy Spirit. So I'm sorry, it, it might have the most beautiful building, it might have the biggest amount of people, but the question is, is it a church? Is there a lampstand, right? In the book of Revelation, the, the number one church of the world, the church at Ephesus, God told them, listen, Jesus said, I'm going to come, you, you need to repent and go back to your original love. Because if you don't, I'm going to come quickly and remove the lampstand. I tell the Lord this all the time, you'll never have to remove the lampstand. You say jump, I'll say how high, and you're going to have to help me. But I'm never going to say no. Right? Have you ever said no to the Lord? This is what no looks like. It doesn't look like no. It just looks like I get real busy and I just la, 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 I'm not really listening to that, right? Do you notice the Holy Spirit never grabs you and goes, hey, nope, nope, he just woos. Because he wants you, he wants you to be willing because it opens the door. There's a connection between your willingness to yield to God and his ability to show his power in your life. So, so very important. So, 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9 was another scripture we went through last week. I need to go through it again. So this is like review. And this is the last thing we're going to review tonight. Would encourage you, it'll bless you to go back and listen to last week's message. 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, What's he doing? To show himself strong. This, this Hebrew word means he's looking throughout the whole world to see who he can fasten upon, bind himself to, to cleave and seize upon. 
He's looking around seeing who he could strengthen. This word also means he's looking all over the earth to see who he could cure. Now, he already provided it for everything, everybody, but he's got to, he'll perform it. But he's only able to perform it to certain people. This, heart also, this word also means to help. Have you ever needed God's help? Right? He's looking all over to see who he could help. Well, now, wait a minute. He's God. He can help whoever he wants. No, he can't. Not according to this. His ability to help you is dependent upon you. He's looking. He's looking. He's waiting. This word also means to repair. Have you ever need to be repaired? Right? Have you ever done something that has caused something in your life to be broken? Beyond repair. Guess what? God's looking. He's looking for people that he can go into their lives and start repairing. This word also, I mean, it keeps going. It means to fortify. See, when God, when he repairs something, he fortifies it and then he establishes it. And that's what this word gives us a picture of. God wants to move. His eyes are running to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeing whom he can show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Perfect. This Hebrew word perfect means faithful. It means loyal. It means dedicated. It means devoted. Right? And here is the foundation of this word. It literally means wholehearted. A wholehearted heart is a heart that is willing, willing to yield to him in every way. How, what will a wholehearted heart look like? You will be faithful, loyal, dedicated, devoted, right? Those are, those are attributes of someone who is wholehearted. God is saying, if you will choose to be wholehearted, willing to yield to me, I'm able to show myself strong on behalf of you. Not maybe, always. Always. Right? This is huge. God is waiting, in other words, for people to get willing. A willing heart. People who are wholehearted. Wow. I, I got to tell you this. I've said it over and over, and I got to say it again. God is only able to do this to those who are willing. See, this is why this doctrine of, you know, this sovereignty doctrine, well, you know, if God wants me healed, he'll just heal me. You know, if God wants me to do this, then this will just happen in my life. No, that's not Bible. We have to receive through faith what he's given us by his grace. The Bible says it's impossible for a man to receive anything from the Lord if he's not in faith. So let's look at a couple examples here. When we're talking about willingness, when we're talking about obedience, first one I want to talk about is King Asa. Okay? Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 15. I want to kind of read all of this. I wasn't going to, but the Lord was like, I want you to read this whole thing. 
So King Asa, 2 Chronicles 15, verse 1, starting in verse 1, and we're going to read through several verses here. It says, And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you be with him. Asa, the Lord's with you as long as you're going to be with him. Okay? And if you seek him, look at this, he will be found of you. Isn't that good news? Now remember, God's no respecter of persons, so if he was this way with King Asa, he'll be this way with you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Why? He has to. Because you're, you're forsaking him, you're walking away from him. In order for him not to walk away from you, he would have to violate your will because you're walking away from him. Right? Verse 3. Now for a long season, Israel hath been without the true God. Wow. For a long time, Israel was without God. Look at this. Without a teaching priest. For a long time, they were without God. Well, now why? Well, they didn't even have a teaching priest. And without law. But when they... Look at this. So in other words, they were without a teaching priest. Why? Because they said, we don't need it. They were without law. We don't need law. They were without God. We don't need God. Wow. That equals a mess, right? But look at this. Verse 5. Well, I'm sorry, verse 4. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. Aren't you glad that even when you depart from him, he is always, he's always waiting. And the minute you turn around, here he is. The minute you start seeking him, you'll find him. He doesn't withhold. Now, that might not mean anything to all of you who have never made a mistake, but I know to me, I'm like, wow, that is so cool. I'm so glad God never gave up on me. It says here, verse 5, And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in. Guess what that means? Everybody's either going out or coming in, so there was no peace. No God, no word, no church, no teaching priest, equals no peace, right? And it says here, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries, and nation was destroyed of nation, and city, in other words, was destroyed of city, in other words, great division, Nation was destroying nation. City was destroying city. And look at this. For God did vex them with all adversity. Well, so God was the cause of this. Well, 
Let's look at that word vex. It's a Hebrew verb that is in the permissive tense. It's not in the causative tense. So in other words, although the King James translators wrote it like God was the one vexing them, in reality, you would have to read it, for God did allow them to be vexed with all adversity. He allowed it. Why did he allow it? Because God has to allow what people allow. Isn't that interesting? What I just told you is you don't have to put up with anything. Everything the enemy wants to bring in your life, you can say no. Isn't that good news? Wow. In other words, you have authority. So now, verse 7, be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak. Notice, they can choose to be strong. For your work shall be rewarded. Verse 8, and when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. Look at this. He acted on it. The country was a disaster. And look at how he acted. He took courage and put away the abominable idols out of the land of Judah and Benjamin. So in other words, he as king said, there will be no more idols. He put them all out. And out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord... And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. So he gathered all the people of Israel, all the people visiting, all this stuff. For they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw the Lord his God was with him. So now all of a sudden he makes this decision and now he's conquering. Why? Did he get all this? Because they saw God was with him. The minute he listened to the word of God and acted on it, God started working. In the same way, if you'll hear the word of God and act on it and get over yourself, God will immediately start working. Wow. Look at this. Verse 10. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the 15th year of the reign of Asa. What did they do in Jerusalem? And they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, 700 oxen, 7,000 sheep. They were offering this to God. And they entered into a covenant. They entered into a covenant to do what? to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. In other words, they changed direction. They repented. They changed their mind. King Asa said, listen, we are going to bring all of the spoil. We're going to burn it before the Lord. We're going to give it all to him. We're just going to give it all to him. And we are going to covenant saying, God, as we are giving you all of this, 
we are giving you all of us. We're going to seek you with all of our heart, with all of our soul. Verse 13, now check this out. That whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. Could you imagine? King Asa gets up and goes, hey guys, this is what we're doing. We're making a covenant today. We're all here and we are all gonna seek God with all of our heart and with all of our soul. And if there's anybody out there that doesn't want to, we're gonna put you to death. Because we as a nation, we're all doing this thing. This, in other words, this is not optional. Now, aren't you glad we're under the age of grace, right? But you gotta see the willingness of Asa was we are all in. Not partway in, right? Well, you know, see, we work on things today. Well, you know, I've got this pornographic addiction, but, you know, I'm working on it. And God loves me. Well, it is true. God loves you. But you got to make a decision. You don't work on something, you do it. You surround yourself with people that'll help you. Right? Have you ever worked on something? Right? Well, I'm, I'm just going to kind of work on losing weight. I did that last year. Man, I started the year. You know, years ago I weighed 335. Now I'm down to a slender 300.5. January 1st, 2022. And then I worked on my weight all year. And I got on the scale January 1st, 2023, and I'm a slender 300.5. Then... See, what would happen to me, though, is I was preaching a message in, in this church called Faith Family Church, and I started talking about how Jesus was presented to the Lord at the 40th day and how that when they presented him to the Lord, all that that meant and how that that was the same word used in Romans 12.1 that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And while I was preaching, I mean, my spirit just slapped me in my face and said, you're not presenting your body to the Lord. No, this isn't a matter of working on it. Because see, when you're working on something, you're working. No, no, this is a matter of working out what he's working in. So you trust him to help you. Right? You may even grow to the point where you like a Brussels sprout. That's amazing. But you know, you, all things are possible. Right? Enough about me. Let's get back to this. Verse 14. And they swore unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets. Isn't that interesting? They swore unto the Lord with their voice and with their instruments. When TJ's up there playing drums, guess what? That instrument, he's doing things. He's speaking. That's an extension of his spirit. Mark Mason, when he's playing the saxophone or the crybaby saxophone, I name it the crybaby because when he plays that, I cry, right? But that's an extension of his spirit. With shouting, with trumpets, and with cornets, and all Judah rejoiced at the oath. Everybody was in. For they had sworn with all their heart. Why were they all in? Because they chose to swear with all their heart. 
not part of their heart. Well, we're going to try this. Man, in 2023, do you know how many people right now are at home and they're sore? Because, man, they bought a gym membership. <laughs> and everybody that works out normally, they're in the gym going, wow, we're, there's so many people here. Just relax, wait a few weeks, right? Those treadmills start hanging, for, hanging clothes at home, gyms empty out, because people try to get in shape, right? But these people are not trying. Why do you try something? Because you're deciding this with part of your heart. Well, this year I'm just going to try to get in the word more. Okay. Good luck with that. Right? So here we go. They swore with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire. They sought him with how much of their desire? Their whole desire. In other words, God became center, which was once not center. I mean, think about that. That's amazing. Look at this. And he, God, was found of them. And what did the Lord do? He gave them rest round about. Whenever you turn to God, I'm telling you, instantly you will start. When, when, God is found, when you find God, and you don't have to look very far as his child because he's in you, he's all around you, his eyes are upon you, he is waiting. The minute you draw near to him, he's drawing near to you. And when you find him, it'll start producing rest in your life. Right? Verse 16, and also concerning Machcha, the mother of Asa the king. Wow. So now Asa's going all the way out. He's like, okay, mom, we got to deal with some stuff here. The mother of Asa the king, he removed her from being queen. Boy, I bet that probably wasn't. Could you imagine dinner at mom's house? Whose mom? Well, I removed her from being queen. Because she made an idol in a grove, and Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burnt it at the brook Kidron. In other words, while all this is happening, mom is like, I'm still keeping my idol. And he's like, no, you're not. In other words, Asa was willing to go all the way. Right? We let unsaved loved ones keep us out of church. Oh man, we, you know, we're going to have lunch together and, and we're going to have it at this time. Oh shoot, I can't go to church. And we cry and go, oh, I want my loved ones to be saved. And we're like, well, time out. By putting them before God, you just told them that this God thing's no big deal with you. Repeat this after me quickly. I love my pastor, right? People are probably turning off this live stream right now. Bah, here we go. But we're going to speak the truth here so that we can walk in the victory, right? Ouch. Everybody said either amen or ouch. Here we go, right? Look at this, but verse 17. All this stuff, man, Asa's a rock star. But look at this. But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. He removed idols. He had the whole nation turn to God. But these high places, he left. Well, you jerk. Right? 
He, they were not taken out of Israel. And then God says this, Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect. What? Pastor, you mean he didn't do everything right and yet God still said his heart was perfect? Is it possible that I could not do everything right and still have a perfect heart? According to the word of God, yes. His heart was perfect. I would venture to say in all of our lives here, we probably have some areas of our life that are probably not right that maybe we don't even know yet. But yet, Asa's heart was still perfect. This word perfect is the Strong's number H8003. Will that help you grow spiritually? Probably not. But it means Asa's heart was wholehearted. Asa's heart was wholly devoted. He was wholly devoted. This word gives the idea of being whole or undivided. I want you to get this. The perfect heart is one that is undivided. It's not one whose life is completely flawless. It might take you some time before you get everything in order. Don't look at your behavior. Look to Jesus and let him get you in the right place. Right? The heart of Asa was perfect all his days. And he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated, and that he himself had dedicated, silver, gold, vessels, and there was no more war unto the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. Peace and rest even though he didn't quite get it all right, his heart was perfect. So now let's look real quickly at King Amaziah. This is found in 2 Chronicles 25.1. Check this out. 2 Chronicles 25 verse 1 says this. Amaziah was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign. So when he was king, he was 25. And he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoadon of Jerusalem. So he was 25 and he reigned until he was 54 years old. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but his heart was not perfect. Is it, is it possible to do all the right things, but not have a perfect heart. According to the word of God, yes. Is it possible to not do everything right and have a perfect heart? Yes. So what's the deal? Focus on the heart. Don't focus on the behavior. Work out what God's working in. Right? I can't wait to talk to Asa to find out did you not think about those high places? Did you just not get to it? Was it something you didn't see? Right? His heart was perfect. He was wholly devoted. But there was a reason. He, there were some things. Right? 
Man, I have a lot of areas of my life that I am hitting on all cylinders on. I just told you about an area that's a mess. And do I feel embarrassed about that? No. No guilt, no shame, no condemnation. I understand it's my decision. Does that mean that you need to lose weight? Oh, no, brother, sister. That's between you and God. Don't get up here and think, oh, gosh, man. I'm a little overweight. Pastor's going to think I'm not spiritual. No, no, I'm very spiritual. Very spiritual. Right? But what, what does a whole heart do? Whatever area God decides you to work on, you work on it. How do you work on it? Here is how you work on it. Man, I'm telling you, I got this big problem in my life. How do you preach without a bottle? Right? Here's this big problem in my life. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God goes, change this. And you realize, okay, I have no power to do that myself. Praise God, I'm a child of God. I don't do anything alone. I do everything in Him. So I'm like, okay, here you go. Right? And it's His. It's no longer mine. I'm not stressed. I'm not anything about that area anymore. I've given it to him. And now I just look down on the inside. What do you want me to do? I want you to start eating Brussels sprouts every day. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. There is no other option. Why? Because Jesus is my Lord. Get a job. Yes, sir. Right? Go to work at a job you don't like. Okay, yes, sir. Because I know if you want me to do it, there's a reason. He might put you in a company in a bad situation, making less money than you've ever made. I mean, for me, man, when God, when God finally told me, I'm like, okay, God, I'm ministering 300 times a year. I'm doing all this stuff. I know none of it is exactly what you want me to do. I am at the end of myself. My family's suffering, all this stuff. What do you want me to do? Tony, you need to get over yourself because ministry's hard when you're working and I'm not working. Now, was, were there still being fruit produced? Big fruit. Why? Because I always taught the word. But I could tell you this, the anointing is much greater today than it was then. And then what did he have me do? I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm all in. I'm wholehearted. I'm willing. I'm obedient. What do you want me to do? I'm living in Fairfield, Iowa. I figure this has got to be rock bottom. <laughs> right? He had to drive 90 miles from Fairfield to go eat fake Italian food at Olive Garden. I lived in a town where even to go buy a pizza, I had a witch wanting to curse me and kill me. This little old lady, man, witch, she's mad, and I'm like, wow, are you kidding me? I really upset a Satanist one time. I thought, it, I thought he was a girl, and he wasn't. He was really upset, him and all his little satanic buddies, and I couldn't stop laughing which was really bad. I finally got myself together, and another time I saw him in Fairfield, and I'm like, listen, I am so sorry. I, I, I was laughing, but I really shouldn't have. That was, that was really horrible, and I, I, I just couldn't stop laughing. He's like, it, it's okay. Right? I'd see him in the new, new Age coffee shop from time to time, and we'd talk. He's a really cool guy. Just was a little messed up in his beliefs. He decided to make his God a fallen angel instead of the God of the universe. But, you know, we pray 
that he'll work that thing out, right? So anyway, so I'm at the end of myself, and what does God tell me to do? Go back into the corporate world. Wow, and here I had this really cool job in Southern California making a lot of money. I was in the sporting goods industry. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm right around all these athletes and all this stuff. I was miserable because I was out of the will of God. Went to Rama, but because of all the junk in my life, worthlessness, the lies that I had bought, man, I just, I still wasn't willing to do what God said. So here I am at the end of my rope in Fairfield, Iowa, and God tells me, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get out of the ministry and go to work for, go back into the corporate world. What? what? I look in the lo no local newspaper, and the ad for a manager trainee position with Enterprise Rent-A-Car jumped off the page. So here I am, you know, 40 years old, I'm out behind a little building that's right next to the county jail in Ottumwa, Iowa. Every one of my ties had frays on the bottom of them because I was cleaning cars. I'd take three shirts to work because it was hot. And you know, you suck that tie up in the vacuum, so every enterprise employee, we used to have to wear ties, they're all just a disaster. But had I not done that, I would have never got to Omaha, Nebraska. I got promoted here, and when we drove over those blue bridges on the, over on, off 680, the presence of God filled, filled the car. I started crying. My wife started tearing up, and we're like, wow, this is where we're supposed to pioneer a church, which is hilarious because I love the ocean. You can't get further than an ocean in Omaha, Nebraska. And yet, in March, we're going to go on a very powerful missions trip to Hawaii. <laughs> and I'm going to minister in two Sunday services, and I'm going to lay on the beach the rest of the time <laughs> with this beautiful woman, right? Amen. Right? And, and you know, God is good. Couldn't drag me back to Southern California. No, 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 thank you. I love this place. Right? Do I love winter? No. No, no. But guess what? We're only here for such a short time, and I am willing. I just want to be where he wants me to be, right? So here, King Amaziah, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Wow. But not with a perfect heart. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Now we're going to tie this in with faith. Romans 1, verses 16 and 17 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. There's no power in it if you don't believe. Right? Because the power is voice activated. To the Jew first and also to the Greek for therein, therein what? Therein the gospel of Christ is the righteousness of God revealed from, how is it revealed? From faith to faith. And then it says this, the just, those that have been declared righteous, which is every one of us, shall live by faith. Not have faith events, but shall live by faith. Okay. Mark, let's look at what faith is. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Jesus curses a fig tree. 24 hours later, 
The disciples walk by, and man, Peter looks at this tree. It's dried up from the root, and he says, Lord, check this tree out. And then Jesus answers them by giving them such an explanation of the operation of the faith of God, which is how we are to walk and live. Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Right? Faith is not just something you get, it's something you have. But to have faith, you're going to have to hear God's word. You're going to have to believe God's word. And to do that, you're going to have to be willing and obedient. Satan will always tell you that you need more faith. The Bible never tells you to get more faith. I've told you guys this before, right? The Bible always tells you to use the faith that you have. The only place in the New Testament that speaks about the amount of faith is when it talked about faith as, a, as the grain of a mustard seed, which is like the smallest seed. This small seed of faith produces great results. It's not about how much faith if you're sitting here tonight, and man, you have just not grown spiritually, realize you've been given the measure of faith. Faith comes by hearing God's word, and it's not about the amount, it's about using it. It's, a, it's literally about, the, it's about strengthening yourself in faith. What is real faith? It's just being firmly persuaded. When you hear God's word, when you make a decision to be willing and obedient, it'll give you ears to hear. And when you hear God's word speak to you on the inside, you are fully persuaded. The faith of God comes to you. And now you're in faith. It's not about the amount. It's about how, you, how strong you stand in faith. It's the use, not the size of faith that matters. Never forget that. And then now in verse 23, Jesus says this, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever, this is for whosoever, shall say unto this mountain, Be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire... Whatever you desire, whatever you call for, whatever you require, whatever you make a demand for, that's what that Greek word means. When you pray, believe that you receive them. Re believe that you seize hold of it. When you pray, and you shall have them. So what do I do? How do I walk by faith? I, I make a decision to be willing and obedient. I meditate in the word of God. I grow. I put the word first place. And now I know I'm learning exactly how my enemy operates. So I know my enemy. And then I secure God's word on whatever I'm believing God for. And I maintain a pure heart. And then I resist doubt and fear. I resist it. I don't care what the doctor says anymore. I'm not discounting it. I'm thanking that doctor. Thank you for telling me what's going on in the natural. But I got to tell you, there's something else going on in the spirit realm that's bigger. The healing power of God is working in my body. It's driving out sickness and disease. It's restoring my body to health. You can't see that on an MRI, but you will. 
this tumor that you say is growing, guess what? It may look like it's growing in the natural, but just hide and watch, it'll be gone. This disease, this blood thing, whatever it is, because I've believed that I've received, I know my Redeemer, so I know my enemy. I secure God's word. I maintain a pure heart, and then I resist doubt and fear. Right? James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. God doesn't get down on you for the mess you've created. And it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, look at this, nothing wavering. Wavering. This, this word waver means to differ to oppose or to contend with. It means one minute, man, I believe this word is true. But then I look at circumstances and go, well, maybe not. That's not a wholehearted heart. It's a divided heart. One moment you believe God, the next moment you're believing what you see or what you feel. But when you make a decision to have a whole heart, it changes everything. This is what I want you to see here. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed with the wind. God does not want you driven or tossed with anything. He wants you to move in him. Acts 17, 28, right? In him I live and I move and I have my being. It says here, for let not that man, what man? The man that's wavering. Think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Why? Because a double-minded man, a man of a vacillating opinion, is unstable in all his ways. And you know the number one reason why people are all over the place like this? It's because of what they're hearing. The teaching they're listen to, listening to, the associations that they have, you got to be careful what you hear. Right? That's why people, they get in a situation and they don't know. And, and if you think that God heals some and not others or God will bless some and not others, you're in trouble already. You can't have faith. you got to know he is for you. He is searching the earth right now in every life to see who he could show himself strong on their behalf. He's already provided everything in Christ and now he wants to perform it in your life. And all your mistakes, they will not hinder you at all because all of those mistakes were condemned in the body of Jesus. They're all paid for. You're his child. He loves you. And he's for you. And he might not be pleased with you but man, I'm telling you, if you'll just forget about all that and press into him, you can please him because this is what pleases him, faith. Why? Because now he can get over to you what his son has provided for you. It gives him no pleasure. Could you imagine seeing your children that you love suffering? Right? When he looks at you in lack and he's sitting there 
And literally, he has within his hand so much that he could fulfill the desires of all living flesh with just what's in his hand. And he sees his kids suffering or, or sickness and disease. He's ready. He's not sitting back on the throne going, you know, as soon as you can confess the word the way Pastor Tony does. No, 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 no. He is just looking for faith. He's not looking for a good speech. Because this is all about him. We need to shout this from the rooftops, guys. God has made you free. And he will move heaven and earth to help you walk in all of that freedom. To help you walk free from your past. To help you literally expand the boundaries of your life to where all of a sudden now you're living with all things are possible because I believe. It says in verse 22 of James chapter 1, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Hearers only, this is, this is the Greek word akrates. It, it, it's one who hears with no intention of doing it. I don't read my Bible. I don't even bring my Bible to church. I don't take notes. I'm not going to listen to this again. I'm just here because, you know, I'm a Christian and I kind of feel good. You're hearing with no intention of doing, Right? What happens to that person is you deceive yourself. You walk out thinking you're okay. And now you're okay spiritually. I mean, you're, if you were to die today, you'd be right in the presence of God, but you will have missed God's whole plan for your life, and you would have never laid hold of all that he's provided for you. But be doers of word, not hearers only deceiving your own self. See, the doer of the word confesses the word and lives the word. Speaking the word sometimes and speaking your circumstances sometimes is not a doer. Does that make sense? Yeah, but sometimes, pastor, I just got to be real. No, because what you just said is I got to be real carnal. You don't ever have to be carnal. There is no life in it. Go home and talk about your problems. Get together and talk with all your friends about your problems. You never walk out of there feeling better. Because Satan loves it, man. It's like throwing gasoline on a fire. Verse 23, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. He beholds himself and then he just goes his way and forgets what manner of man he was. But whoever looks and keeps on looking, look at what it says about his life. He'll be a doer, and his deeds, man, his deeds will be blessed. So see, if you look at this passage, and I know we're going really fast through it, but the difference between the hearer and the doer is what they see. You cannot say what you do not see. That's the way you're made. That's the way I'm made. God wants you to see his word so that you could speak his word because his word changes everything. Man, I was building up to all this stuff about Peter walking on the water, but we're just not gonna have time to do that tonight. But we'll get into more of this. I wanna leave you guys with this. Don't be divided. 
Don't let the world divide you where you're looking at God and looking at the world. I'm looking at a whole bunch of people. You wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night if you didn't want to walk this out, right? So I'm looking at a bunch of hungry people. I'm looking at a bunch of people that want God. Those watching online, listen, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't have made it to this point unless you were connecting. You're wanting to walk this out. God wants victory for you. And it comes as you receive things through faith. And to walk by faith, you've got to be willing and you've got to be obedient. You have to have a heart that is wholehearted. I'm willing to yield to him in whatever. I don't care what it looks like to others. I don't care what I have to do. I live on this planet for one reason, and that is to live for you. I want all of you. Amen? Or I could say it this way, I want all of you because he lives in me. Amen?